0: You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Brilliant. So this morning we are starting our series, Wildfire, which is a series through the book of Acts. Uh, We're not going to go verse for verse, chapter by chapter. Rather, we're going to pick some key themes and uh, some key texts throughout this magnificent book. So, for those of you that are taking notes, this is Wildfire One, and Not by Might, Nor by Power is the title of this morning's uh, sermon for us. We need to lay a bit of a foundation as we get to this book of Acts, and uh, just so that we know where we're going and how this all stacks together. Acts is the second book written by Luke. The first one, obviously, is the Gospel of Luke, and the second, the book of Acts. The introduction of Luke serves as an introduction for both books. Uh, Luke 1, verse 1 to 4 says this, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind... I myself carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that name's going to be important to us in just a minute, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. Fathers, we approach your word, we ask for your leading, for your guiding, for your teaching, Father, we ask that you would stir us and lift us and encourage us and show us what it is that you want us to see. Through this series, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So that's the, that's the introduction. We saw that thing, Theophilus, and then Acts 1 opens with, in my former book, Theophilus, in other words, talking about the Gospel of Luke. So most theologians agree that this is, in essence, a two-volume work. In fact, some have gone so far as to say as forming a single continuous work. And it is amazing. If you read Luke, skip John, and go straight to Acts. Um, anyway, if you, if you do that, if you, if you read Luke and then Acts, some of the things that they say about those, is it's written in the same literary style. It's written in all of that stuff. But if you do that, it does appear to be one book. It just reads like a single book. And so you can understand why the theologians and the commentators get here. Luke is recognized as a Christian historian, and he says that, I took careful notes, I investigated carefully. He's recognized as a diplomat and as a theologian evangelist. The man that both of these books addresses, in Luke he says, I wrote an orderly account for you, Theophilus, and then in Acts he says, in my first book, Theophilus, is thought not to be a believer. Now, that's thought, I guess. That's what the commentators and theologians tell us. But we have to understand this. If that is true, Luke goes to dramatic effort to write this gospel of Luke and in this book of Acts. This is not a note on the back of a napkin at a restaurant to your buddy that you're trying to lead to the Lord. Right? This is an extensive work. Luke And then Acts, written to this, what is thought to be this unbeliever. And I want to say that if we get that, then we will get the evangelistic thrust, the evangelistic tone across both of these books. Understand the depth to which uh, Luke goes as he writes these two books to this guy. The book of Acts is seen as a historical account of the work or acts of the Holy Spirit in and through his church. So the Gospel of Luke records what Jesus began to do and teach while in his physical body. The book of Luke is going to show us what Jesus continues to do and teach through his spiritual body, the church. You doing okay? Therefore, Jesus is still the central character of the book, and we simply need to understand that his ministry does not end with the Gospels. You doing all right? All right? Take your word for it. The three of you that acknowledge, I'll take your word. So, like we said, Jesus is the central personality of the book, his death and resurrection spoken about throughout the book. And then secondly, Acts speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as prophesied about in the Old Testament. Well the well quoted text from Acts two, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy a direct quotation of Joel chapter two, verse twenty eight to thirty two. We've got to understand this as well. The Holy Spirit is spoken of throughout the Old Testament, simply different phrases in different language. Called the Spirit of the Lord in Judges three verse ten, the Spirit of the Lord came on him, so he became Israel's judge. Called my Spirit, Zechariah four verse six. We'll come back to this. Zechariah four verse six. So he said to them, "This is my word." The, oh, sorry. This is the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. So we can see this Old Testament, New Testament, there's this ongoing thing we'll learn about, we'll see some stuff in just a minute. So as we look into the first two chapters of the book of Acts, we won't be able to read through them for the sake of time, but we're going to see a pattern here. We can't read more into it than scripture allows, right? There's some scripture that is prescriptive. You must be born again. That's prescriptive. There's no not a whole lot of room for interpretation there, you must be born again, right? Prescriptive. But then there's also scripture that is descriptive, it is describing what happens, and we will get into deep trouble if we, if we make what is descriptive prescriptive. Because otherwise we've got to read the book of Acts, and we've got to say every church everywhere in the world has to operate exactly like this, and that is not the thrust of the book of Acts. Are you doing all right? It's describing and we can learn, but we don't want to put more on it than is in that scripture. Are you doing okay? So let's look at the pattern. Number one, we see a waiting church. We see a waiting church. Acts 2, verse 1 When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated them. And came to rest on each one of them. First little point we need to understand here they were where they were supposed to be, right? Acts 1, Jesus says to them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father's gonna give you. So they were where they were supposed to be. Now I never really quite understood this, and maybe it was just because I never went to school a lot. But when we got to Los Angeles and we started to get involved in the American school system and we would go to the, 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 the kids when they were much younger the, to the award ceremonies and whatever, I was always fascinated that the biggest award was for attendance. And I'm like, he was where he was supposed to be. Now you're going to give him an award. How? Like, it's like we're going to give the quarterback an award for throwing the ball. That's what you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? It seems like a little bit of a low bar when we like, okay, just show up and we'll give you an award. But uh, these guys were exactly where they were supposed to be. A couple of points: the waiting that we see here is not a passive waiting. It's not like I'm just going to sit here and chill out and do absolutely nothing and wait for the Lord. This is more like the waiting of a pregnant mother, right? You know you're pregnant. There's a preparation. There's a preparation because there's expectation that there's going to be a baby at the, end of this, at the end of this wait. Does that make sense? And so there's a whole lot of preparation. There's a whole lot of preparing yourself. And so it's a waiting with expectation. There's a waiting with saying God is going to do something. God is going to give us that gift that he spoke about in Acts 1. And so we are waiting here. We're worshiping, waiting, praying all together, waiting with expectation for what God is going to deliver to us. Are you doing all right? Thirdly, I want to say this. We cannot be too prescriptive about how the Holy Spirit would come. I love the language here when it says this, like the blowing of a mighty wind. When it says, seemed like tongues of fire came to rest on each of them. And so, again, it's not this exact description. And we, we, I think often we can get so caught up in this thing of, of paralysis of perfection This is where we get that statement from that we've lived by. A little bit of wildfire is better than no fire. And we always say that. If we get caught up in this perfection, then every note, every song, every chord has to be perfect. Every preach has to be perfect. Uh You all laugh at that. You didn't laugh when I was picking on the musos. It's all right. But, but it is the thing. Listen, I've parented my kids like this. I've parented my kids. A little bit of wildfire is better than no fire. And then every now and then when I'm yelling at Blaze about something, he'll just go, a little bit of wildfire is better than no fire. Huh, Dad? Like, if you know me, I don't like you quoting me to me. I like even less you quoting me at me. But it is true. We have to live with this thing. We're not called to perfection. We're not called to perfection. I say this time and time again. I say it here publicly, and I say privately often in my study when I'm with the Lord. I'm so glad I don't have to be perfect, Lord. I'm so glad, Lord Jesus, you were perfect. so that I don't have to be perfect. Not called to perfection. What I am called to is discipleship and obedience. Are you doing okay? Called to discipleship and obedience. And if we live with that, we're going to live with a little bit of the ragged edge every now and then. These meetings, as we go to two one-hour meetings, they're a little bit tighter. and We have to be a little bit more organized and a little bit strategic. And about 10 minutes in, I walked across to Chris, and I said, we're already off the map. And I'm like, that's good, because we make our plans. And I love it when God shows up and wrecks our plan, because then we know we're getting his plan, not our plan. And his plan is always going to be better than any plan we can come up with. We're not called to perfection, but discipleship and obedience. People get so afraid of what might happen when the Holy Spirit shows up. Well, what if something weird happens? Well, we can explain that away. We can open our Bible and we can go, well, that was a bit weird. Right? Clucking, barking, roaring like lions. Actually, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And some of it you do go, well, that was a bit weird. Others of it you go, you know what? God is stirring something here. God is trying to breathe courage into people here, so they start roaring like lions. That's all right. We can explain a little bit of weirdness away, but what we cannot explain away, you cannot open your Bible and explain away a powerless church. That you cannot explain away. You cannot open your Bible and find a church where nobody ever gets saved, nobody ever gets touched by the Holy Spirit, nobody ever gets healed, nobody ever gets called to do something for God. You cannot find that church in Scripture. And so we're going to have to live with the difference on that thing a little bit. Are you doing all right? It's okay to encourage the preacher a little bit, eh? It's just a church that is under <laughs> a church that is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the leading of the Holy Spirit will always be an expectant church. We should always be expectant. Uh, a, a buddy of mine challenged me in the early days of my salvation. He said this. He said, TK, God is calling you to live a life that creates opportunities for God to move. How cool is that? Yes, I want to live that life. I don't want to live in safety and comfort. I want to put myself out there in faith and risk and try. And let's see what the Lord can do. We should all be living that kind of life as new believers, believers, right? And if we are a church that is led by the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the leading of the Holy Spirit, that's going to be us. We have to be expectant every time God shows up. Expectant for what? Him to move. And sometimes it's like, you know, the church can... Get a little bit of sleep at the wheel, right? It's like business as usual. We're going to show up. There's going to be three fast songs, two slow songs. Somebody's going to preach. It's all going to be beautiful. We hang out, have some coffee with some cool people. I'm so convinced when we read the book of Acts that God wants so much more for us. Are you doing all right? Number two, we see a worshiping church. First one was we see a waiting church. Are you doing all right? We see a worship in church. The Feast of Pentecost was a celebration. The Feast of Pentecost was a celebration. They celebrated the Passover, which is symbolic of salvation, and then, now they're celebrating the Feast of Pentecost, which is a celebration of the harvest. They're in this place of celebration. They're in this place of worship. They're in this place of gratitude when they heard the wind and saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. And verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 4 says this, And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we've got to understand this here. There's a switch between the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? In the Old Testament, we read those, those uh, scriptures where the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit coming on people. In the Old Testament, it seemed like the Holy Spirit came on people for a task. The rebuilding of the temple. Bring reformation. Uh, wh- wh- whatever it was, there's this moment that the Holy Spirit comes on and then the Holy Spirit comes back off. But here, what we see here is the restoration of Genesis 1 where God wants unfettered, unhindered access to His people and where the Holy Spirit is, is indwelling and living in us again so that we have 24-7 access to the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. Are you doing all right? So a whole switch between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now this is God with us again. I need to move on for the sake of time. yeah I've got five minutes left. Number three, we see a witness in church. We see a witness in church, and this is, this is important for us. Acts one verse three says this in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, it says, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Acts 2.31, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are witnesses of all of it. Luke affirms in no uncertain terms the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no gospel without the physical resurrection. We've spoken about that often. 1 Corinthians 15. There is no gospel. There is no good news. If there's no resurrection, there's no good news. Jesus is the first fruits and the ultimate proof of that. The truth of the resurrection along with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, so emboldened them, so stirred them, they got so caught up in this thing that they came out of this experience, they came out of the upper room, stood as one. Acts 2 verse 1 starts like this. Then Peter stood with the 11. They so emboldened by this truth of the resurrection and the Holy Spirit in them, they come out, they stand as one together, make this gospel declaration that lasts for the rest of that chapter just about, They speak with such clarity, with such power and anointing that 3,000 people are added to the church in that day. What an incredible thing. But it has to be the combination of the two. It's this thing of, of the resurrection of Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. And right there we can see a little bit of that tension, word and spirit. And we have that conversation so often. So often I get in conversation with pastors. What's more important, the word or the spirit? We have to have both. My best understanding of that, I'm an aircraft mechanic, Chad's a pilot, they have a chat with him afterwards, word and spirit, it's like getting on an airplane with Chad and he's going to fly you to San Francisco, and you ask him, okay, Chad, just please tell me which wing is more important, the left wing or the right wing, because I will guarantee you we need both wings to get off the ground, we need both wings to maintain straight and level flight, and we're going to need both wings to land in San Francisco, we can never get away from word or spirit, it is always going to be both for us. Are you doing okay? When we have those two things, we have nitro and midglycerine. When we have those two things, this combination of what seemed like tongues of fire, and they heard a sound like a mighty wind. Wind and fire, explosive. There's wind and fire here that ignites a blaze in that early church that takes them to the known world in their time. Takes them out of Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I want to tell you, friends, that is still God's plan, still God's purpose, still God's call on us. In 35 years, 35 years of history, New Covenant Ministries International, the the apostolic translocal team that we partner with, we've planted churches in over 100 nations, 105, 106 nations. Because 35 years ago, we were stirred by these words. We were stirred by Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples. We're stirred by this thing, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And when you get those two things in you, that's what I'm saying. This church, this church in the book of Acts, that's caught up with the truth of the resurrection and empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit is an explosive thing that will take the gospel to the world. Ah, we're going to get into this next week. We're going to get into this next week. But here's the truth, friends. Listen, worldwide evangelism is still the plan. The evangelism mankind is still our target group. Are you doing all right? It's this kind of, this is what it will take. It will take a church that is waiting, waiting with expectation. God, you're going to do something every time you gather. It's going to take a church that is worshiping, that is filled with gratitude for what God has done in our lives as individuals and with us as a church. And then a church that is bold enough to take the truth of God's word, to say, yes, Jesus is alive. Come and breathe on that truth, Holy Spirit, and refresh me, embolden me, to take this again to my friends, to my family, to my co-workers, to wherever I go. Let's stand together. Zechariah, word of the Lord, came to Zerubbabel through the prophet Zechariah. Not by might, nor by power, says the Lord. Was an encouragement in the physical task of building the temple. We haven't been given a physical task for the most part. We've been given a spiritual task. How much more would the Lord say to us? Not by might, nor by power. That thing you're trying to grind out and clench your jaw and make happen. The word of the Lord to you this morning is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's a word for some of you in here this morning. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. That we just stop trying to make it happen in our own strength. But we are to allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead us and guide us and bring us to healing and wholeness, whether that's physical or spiritual or emotional. By might. All by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. If that's you and you are this morning, just lift your hands. We want to pray for you just for a minute. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, your word over your sons and daughters this morning is not by might. Not by might. Nor by power. But by my Spirit, says the Lord. Father, would you call and anoint and stir and strengthen and lift up and encourage Lord your sons and daughters as you see them respond by faith Father raise their hands to say yes Lord yes Lord would you stir them and encourage them Lord would you embolden them Father would you embolden them Father that thing that's been bugging them for years Lord would you break it off them now we ask in Jesus name In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That thing they've been trusting you for, for years, Father. Would you open the floodgates of heaven? Would you open the floodgates of heaven over your sons and your daughters, Lord? Open the floodgates of heaven. Pour that thing out on them, Father. That thing that they've been trusting you for. That unbelieving family member or co-worker. To create fresh opportunities, Father, fresh boldness, Lord, for us to share the goodness of God and the life of God with them, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We see that as an incredible pattern for the church, a church that was expectant and worshiping and witnessing. I want to say this, friends, even for us as individuals, we can learn from that. We can learn from that. Lift our faith that we're expectant every time we gather, every time we're with somebody. We're expectant. Worshiping is simply about being grateful for what God has done in our lives and what we believe God will do. Just a grateful heart. I love that picture when Jesus broke bread, uh, the five loaves and the two fishes and fed thousands. It says he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. I'm convinced that's a key for releasing the presence and the power and miracles in our lives. That we are worshippers, that we are grateful. And then we are ready to witness. We're ready to share the goodness and the love of God with the people God has put around us. Even as individuals, we can learn from this plan and this pattern. Father, we bless your people this morning as we go. Bless them, Lord. Stir them, lift them, encourage them, Father. This week, this week, would you make this week, Father, by your Spirit, different from last week, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Bless you.